Welcome to this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week I spoke with Ariana Goulet, who is originally from Quebec and is now studying sustainable tourism in Barcelona, Spain. Ariana is a world-class snowboarder who drove her short schoolie all around North America to compete in races, and she just made it back to Canada before the U.S.-Canada border closed due to COVID-19. Ariana has a passion for the outdoors and has a vision of what ski hills will look like in the future. It was minus 28 here in Flin Flon, Manitoba this week, and we have over 40 centimeters of snow. So please join me and grab a warm beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of A Canadian Schoolie Podcast. This week, we have a special guest not coming from Canada, well, originally from Canada, but not living in Canada at the moment. So I'm going to hand it over to her to let her introduce herself to you. Yes, hello, my name is Ariane Goulet. <laughs> so I'm from Montreal, I lived there my whole life, um, or at least around on the South Shore, Cl- close enough. Um, and um, yeah, not in Montreal right now, as this whole COVID thing affected everyone's life, right? But I decided to go back to school and made it to Barcelona for the next eight months. Yeah, should I, should I keep going? <laughs> Yeah, what are you studying in Barcelona? Yeah, I'm doing right now a master in sustainable tourism. So, yeah, I think it's the best time to be studying this as, you know, tourism has crashed this year, for sure. Um, And I think it's the best time to think about how it's going to start again. You know, once things come back a little bit to normal, like how how do we want tourism to restart and think we have to rethink it and this, this is the best time to do it and Barcelona a pretty incredible place to to do so and what got you into looking deeper into sustainable tourism <laughs> I think I'm I'm a very outdoorsy person so I spend all of my time outside and I think just seeing how I think of nature is important for me and how it's been changing over the years and knowing that, you know, I want to be able to enjoy what I do for as much as I can. And as you know, I'm, I'm a big snowboarder. Uh, so seeing the snow and how much it's changed and I want my kids to be able to do it, you know? And so I, I think this, and I, I studied tourism. I did a bachelor in Montreal in um, tourism and hospitality management and then, so it was kind of just the, yeah, the, the, the next step that seems like the right thing. And especially now with like seeing how much, you know, with, with, with everything just shutting down. And I think it showed so much impact everywhere. Like we've seen it, you know, we've seen it in Canada and in all the world, like it's such a big part of the economy. And now, yeah, so I think just kind of seeing all of this was really like I think I, I want to be part of that of the next step and I noticed that yes you are a snowboarder you've done some surfing you're definitely an outdoors type of person um, is there a certain branch of sustainable tourism that you would like to go into in the future um, yeah clearly I think things related more to the environment and nature like out, outdoors and um, 
again like skiing i think the this world and you know what what are the what are the ski hills going to look like in 20 years um i think they are going to change the way they are now is it's just impossible to keep doing it this way um so i i think that's the branch i'm i'm looking into and really aiming my master at least to go in that direction on what's possible what what should ski hills do or become in the future that that's something i'm really interested in so a lot of your projects during your master's degree work are they going to focus around ski hills is that your focus yeah ski hills or winter tourism or what yeah, yeah what winter is going to look like and how how to adapt to it or and if it's not winter then you know how can ski hills adapt themselves to summers you know how can they what else can they do to stay interesting and people keep going you know to these places now you were mentioning there was a video in Shetekamp on Cape Breton Island that uh, was recorded and aired recently um, have you had the opportunity to go to Cape Smoky and to see what they're doing at their ski hill for um, sustainable tourism um, I personally have not but it would be really interesting because um, from what I know, I don't think it's the place that has the most snow <laughs> in Canada out east. Um, so they, they probably get quite affected by it. Um, yeah, I haven't been, but um, they did, they did heard of, uh, uh, yeah, I heard of it. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. Yeah, if I find some information, I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, please. <laughs> All right, so beyond your snowboarding and outdoors, you... Uh, live the schoolie life or have lived the schoolie life at one point. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your schoolie and maybe a little bit what you did with it? Yes. So my schoolie. So I live in a, a short uh, 2009 GMC. Uh, it's a double wheel. So it's one of the heavy ones. Uh, so I bought it in so last summer, not this one, the, la the one before. Um, uh, for 10 grand if that's a good information and um, so it was quite new I had yet it had only like a hundred thousand K on it um, and then so bought it during summer and had the goal to build as much as I could before January 1st so really I started building around October when my work season was done so I had about two three months to build as much as I could so I could leave and live full-time in it from January. So it was a build for winter. As my goal is really like, I usually work as much as I can during summer and then take my winters to ski. That's that's what I try to do. Um, so yeah, just worked intense. Um, mainly it was, you know, the basics so I could leave. So like big insulation, uh, putting a wood stove in there, like a bed and basics so I could cook. Um, and then, and and then left, <laughs> and then we had them. Um, it, it was kind of in different phases. So yeah, that first one last year, and then this summer I had the opportunity to to keep working on it. Me and my my boyfriend also. So kind of as a second step to then now, the goal is to like so we're in Quebec. So the the ideal here is probably to have the official RV certification. So we are working towards that. Um, and so we needed to 
you know, have all there's a list of things that uh, Quebec asks you to have to make it an official RV. So toilet, like heater, propane and all that stuff. So that's what we've been doing this summer of adding all these pieces to now it's luxurious. <laughs> I would say it like this. So it's um, and you, cool. you have lived in the bus then in the winter? Yes, yeah, 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 I've been living so full time from January to um, to uh, two weeks ago until I moved here. Yeah, I, re I really just moved to Barcelona. And how was the cold Canadian winter in the bus? <laughs> Not as bad as it looked. Um, it's, I mean, like, so it's well insulated and the wood stove really makes the difference so like once you're in there and you start the, the fire like it warms up pretty quickly and you know as long as you put wood in it's quite warm and it's the wood makes it nice and dry so even with all my ski gear it like actually stayed dry and nice there's, there's so no it's like it was really cool to have this super cozy place after a long day of skiing so um yeah, so not that bad. Um, the morning, so because I had the wood stove, um, usually at night I would not like wake up to fill it up. Uh, so I would just have my winter sleeping bag close by, and I, if I get cold, I would turn around, get the sleeping bag, and finish my night. So the worst part, I would say, of living in my schoolie during winter was to uh, get up in the morning, like get out of the sleeping bag. <laughs> was the really hard part. So yeah, I guess it would be below zero getting up in the morning before you put the fire on. Oh yeah, yeah. I had a couple minus 20 in the morning. It's a hard one. You try to wrap up or like the fire was close enough to my bed that we could almost stay under the blanket to start the fire. So that, that makes it a bit better. So just try to stay, hide as much as possible and start a fire somehow so that was pretty fun though that's an adventure sure. i'm always amazed with trying to figure out how canadians do this in their schoolies in the winter time so what did you do about water yeah so so okay last year because i couldn't keep the inside warm right so for water i just had like a, a big container of water and like a bunch of like big insulated water bottles. So I would, I mean, usually I would be parked really close to the ski hill. So I would just fill up the water either there or at friend's place, or I would fill up my water just regularly. So like I didn't have that much water that was staying in the bus. Uh, I would just like regularly fill up. So I didn't really have time to freeze that much. Um, so that's how I did last year, but it's, it's not ideal for sure. Um, then now, though, what we've done to improve, I guess, for next winter is so now that we have propane, so I, I have um, we added a propane heater that we connected to a thermostat. So then we're going to like kind of put it at 10 degrees, let's say, or um, so then even when we're out of the bus, then at least the inside will stay uh over zero or at five let's say five ten degrees so the water wouldn't freeze and hopefully that's enough to to keep the inside nice and then once i'm in there then i can always you know use my wood stove to uh, keep 
the place really cozy and cook and everything on on the stove so i think that the mix of both will be the perfect the yeah perfect perfect deal for us so would you just like rock up to a ski hill ask permission to stay on their space and then stay for the duration of the time and then go somewhere else yeah pretty much and and depending on the places there's a few places that it's actually they, they almost have a place in the parking lot for RVs. It, like it's actually impressive how many people do that. Um, like we were, like many times there were like twenty twenty five like vans or RVs or people crashing in the parking lot. Uh, it's it surprised me, but um, yeah. So usually, like yes, I sometimes I ask, but like especially out west like usually like you just see it there's clearly a part of the parking lot there's like 15 other vans so you just go in there and I think it's mainly about you know respect so like if it snows then get out of the way so they can uh, plow the whole place and then you come back at night and I, we didn't have any problem really so it was harder in the states, though. In the big, in the big ski hills in the states, most of them like there's signs everywhere, and they really don't want you there. And they want the place for the tourists that bring the most money, I guess. <laughs> but you, yeah, there's apps and other like we would find other low spots to go for the night. But the parking lot of the ski hills were a really good bet. <laughs> Wow, that's pretty cool. An inside scoop to something I've never known. <laughs> Here we go. So you've traveled you quite a bit. So maybe what's an adventure that you guys would have had? <laughs> yeah, so I, I was going to talk about that on how, like, so last year, so my last winter, so I left. So like I was saying, the goal is to leave for January 1st. And the main thing is because, so... Uh, okay, I mentioned how I'm I'm doing, I snowboard a lot, but then I'm also doing competitions. So I do free ride competitions. And the, um, so I'm following the free ride world qualifiers. So they're the qualifiers for the world tour series. Um, and then, so there's five or six in North America. So the idea last winter was to do as much as I could and then, so then drive from one to the other, uh, ski as much as possible and do do the tour. So I left home in January 1st because, which is Montreal, and I needed to, I had a competition on the 5th in Revelstoke. So if you, <laughs> I don't know if you've done the drive, but that's not that many days, <laughs> especially with a school bus that can't really go faster than 100 on the highway. <laughs> so we, like left quickly, drove as fast as I could so I could be there on time and compete. Um, and then we just did this whole, so from BC, I went back up north, uh, skied there. I lived in Prince Rupert for about a year, so worked at Shane's Mountain. I don't know if you heard of it, but really amazing little place, co-op. Um, so went back and saw some people there and then from up north went all the way back down because the next competition were in New Mexico. So we drove all the way to New Mexico, still stopping along to, you know, Wyoming, uh, Utah, um, uh, 
Colorado, California, and all after California. So Colorado and then down to New Mexico and from there <laughs> went on the coast. So uh, the states on the way all the way to California. And um, uh, it actually all finished with the biggest storm I've seen in a long time. It snowed over, I think it was almost six feet or something of, of snow in, in a few days when we were in California. We we're trying to meet up with some friends there and we there's so much snow that we never made it to the ski hills. We just couldn't drive there. And um, <laughs> then trying to wait and see if the snow would clear up of like going very slowly. It was like, you know, if we go slow, we'll make it at some point um, until um, COVID happened. And then we received the, <laughs> we received the, like everyone started calling me being like, you really have to come back to Canada as quick as possible. And uh, we, and then they were closing the border to foreigners on let's say the Wednesday and that was on the Monday and my boyfriend is from away so we needed to cross the border as soon as possible um so that's kind of how it ended so we had to turn her back to you know six feet of snow <laughs> to go back to Canada <laughs> so that was a pretty crazy winter I would say it like this and were you able to complete the tour of the snowboarding races? So the last ones, the last one were canceled because because of it. So I've done, I ended up doing three um, of the big ones, which um, which was really good actually. I had a quite good result. I finished in, I actually finished in first place. Um, I mean, not equal in first place, but another girl. And uh, she, yeah, so they take your best three results and then we had equal points with the best three. Um, and uh, yeah, she, anyway, she ended up getting the place and is now making the world tour next year. So I'm super excited for her. But um, yeah, I was happy with being able to, to do these as many events and hopefully there'll be more this year. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you think is going to happen with this year with COVID-19 and those kind of competitions? <laughs> they're, they're still saying it's happening, so we'll see. I think it's more about travel restrictions. Um, they've been putting different things in place, so the events can still happen, um, even if, you know, Canada and States, they, they've done some new ways of dealing with it, <laughs> so it shouldn't affect the athletes too much and um, I'm in Europe and hopefully in Europe the, the, the countries like we can travel between the different countries well we'll see it's it's really hard to know it's you know how long this second wave will last and what kind of travel restriction will apply but most of them are start in December or even January so that does give a few months so hopefully it has time to figure itself out <laughs> Now, you don't have one snowboard, you have a few. In your box, did you design something special to put your snowboards in, or what does that look like for you on the box? Yeah, so last year I had this big, I did big, this big cupboards that was really like all, all the way up, so I could fit all my snowboards in there, and the, 
the skis on my boyfriend too. So um, yes, because I did bring five snowboards and then his pair of skis. So um, yeah, I had this place in, in a big cupboard in the back. And now this, we're using the space a bit differently this year, but and now that I have a shower, so I actually designed the shower. So we've built this little rack over it so we can um, attach the snowboards like on the wall and it holds there. And then it also, you know, if there's snow on it, then it drips in the, the shower pan. Um, so yeah, so the snowboard have their space in the shower. <laughs> wow, that's cool. So during your travels and your adventures, you must have had something go wrong with the bus at some point. Is there a mess <laughs> mishap that you've had? Yeah, I think that the big one really was this. So when we left from California on our way back home, so, you know, we were really trying to get back home as quick as possible. And then when we got, we've been having a little bit of problem with the transmission. There is something happening, right? But we were like, oh, we don't really have time to stop anywhere. Like, we just want to get home. And um, when we were crossing Saskatchewan, uh, the transmission decided that it didn't want to make it all the way to Quebec. So it's like we were having, it was keep being too hot and we just couldn't drive. And so we ended up turning around and stopping in Regina and finding a garage there that would maybe take us. But again, with this whole COVID adventure, um, everything was closing down. So all the shops were closed. We managed to find one that was the one that was taking care of the, you know, police car and ambulance and that kind of stuff. So they were open and they were nice enough to accept our, our bus in there and help us. Um, it did cost a full new transmission, which on a bus is not a cheap part. Um, but And it took over a week of us staying in Regina with everything closed and just hoping that we could actually make it back because now the provinces were starting to close between each other and it was yeah such an adventure but we did ignite the guys at the garage there were super nice and they they helped us the most they could and we were able to get out of there and and make it to Quebec just on time I think they ended up closing the border um like a few days after we crossed and even like when we were crossing Ontario there were a lot of the little villages um that were like closing the streets like through like the highway the big highway and then they were closing the way to get into town just so people wouldn't come in and so <laughs> it was a bit crazy but we we made it with a new transmission you're very lucky <laughs> yeah yeah are happy to be home. <laughs> so you were mentioning the snowboards now in the shower. Uh, based on the design and the build that you guys did, is there something that you would have considered doing differently? Uh, I think the, the good thing with what we did is like doing it in different steps is that, you know, we, we had like last year was really just the basics. So now this year adding all these different things, we could just, like really we, we knew where we wanted things to be. So we got to do all the little things uh, like much better, like to 
adjust the little things. So I, like, there's not one thing specifically that I would say other than like, <laughs> really, if I had to do this all over again, I would buy a different bus. <laughs> so like now I got, I, I wanted a short bus and I'm, that's like, I'm super happy with the one I have, but um, especially in Quebec, like I would really try to spend the time and also like be ready to put more money to get a, a single wheel one. So, you know, so now I, I, I'm really tall. I'm like uh, I'm 5'11". And so I really wanted to have um, a, a, a one of the tall ones so I could stand in my bus, but I wanted a short one. So um, so that, that was the easy way, you know, doing going for the double wheel in the back. Um, but the, the first, the actual first bus that I've... That I've seen was uh, so a high roof but single wheel, and it was but it was 2012. It was very recent, and they were selling it for 17,000. And I thought that was much higher than my budget, you know, at that time. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I could do that. But right now, like looking at it from um, from everything that I've put in the bus, um, I think it would have probably be worth it you know to, so that's like seven grand so I've paid 10 and that was 17 and I still think that would have been worth it because it would have give us more flexibility on our build because because having that single wheel makes it a lot lighter so it's a lot cheaper on gas but also be, um, being much lighter makes it that you can in Quebec you can play it as a personal vehicle so you don't need to go through all the RV process you can just pretty much just have a personal plate on it and do anything you want with it inside so yes I don't know if that makes any sense for a Quebec person it would <laughs> but um, yeah it's just there's just so many rules with trying to turn it into an RV that being able to find a lighter bus is totally worth it, even if you have to pay more for it. Well, now you have to keep your bus for another 10 years because you have a brand new transmission in it. Exactly. <laughs> no, and exactly. Now I have it. Um, and going through the RV process will, like, it will be an incredible bus by the end, you know? Like, I don't think I would have put a shower in it if I didn't need to, but I'm obviously going to love having a shower in there once in a while. <laughs> so, I like, in the end, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it, but, yeah. So what made you, in the beginning, decide that you wanted to do a schoolie? <laughs> um, a, a, a dream. I think they look incredible. Um, I, the, the space was the big one of like, because I knew I wanted something to live in full time uh, and winter. So having a vehicle that I could transform to be able to do that, to be comfortable. So be able to stand up and have enough space that I don't feel um, stuck. Uh, so for me it was, yeah. So the space, um, the, that I could transform it, that I could start from zero, you know, like there are big RVs that you can probably get for cheaper, but like, could I really insulate it for season? Or if so, then I still need to take it all apart and do it. So the, the fact of like starting with a blank canvas 
and do exactly what I wanted. And then the the look of the bus for sure, they're they're beautiful. I've seen so many different projects. I was I was really I don't know if you know of um the Nomad bus. They're based in Europe now, but it's um it's actually a, a hostel on wheels. And um, me being like being in the tourism and hospitality business, that's that's really that's always been a dream, you know, of maybe one day doing something like this uh, in in Canada. So maybe having a little hostel on wheels and going on all my adventures and bringing someone with me, uh, with some people with me. And so I didn't get to do the hostel yet. Maybe one day, you know, still a dream. Uh, but this was a little bit of a first step, you know, being a, a little, let, let's try it. Let's see how I like the bus life and if that's something I, I'd like to do long term. So it was, it was a test. Like, I'll do the mistakes now on the short bus. <laughs> and then if I build a big one one day, then I'll really know what I'm looking for. For an idea, there's a uh, friend who's going to be on the show later on in January. Her name is Carmen Ward. And she, her dad used to own a bus company here, and she has accessibility to buses. And I believe they're converting three of them into, like, Airbnb hostel-type spaces. And they have a piece oh, of property nice. that they're going to keep them on so that people can come and stay in them and have their own secluded area and that kind of stuff. So she'll be on the show later okay. on in the year. So if you listen to the podcast, you'll be able to hear some creative uh, tourism ideas wow. that she's coming up with. Yes, I would listen to that for sure. And yes. so so you've built the bus and you've taken the time and effort and you have the badge of completing it. Uh, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about doing a bus conversion or a coach conversion? Uh, what's a piece of advice you would have? <laughs> yeah, I would say prepare. Like a lot before you even buy the bus. Like you probably already have a good idea of what size you want or approximate like if you want a short or a long but like there's just so much you can prepare before like what kind of heater what kind of insulation what kind of like what are all the pieces that you want to put in there and how are you gonna do it um there's 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 just so much you know to to learn of video videos to watch of things to read and like it's super interesting and like yes obviously it makes more sense to do it while like while you're doing it but if you're planning to build a bus in a few months like that's not going to happen you know that's the time you need to prepare and you're not starting to build <laughs> so I think it's just yeah like this like we were you know because I wanted to leave for January we were like having you know a, a few months of full time but that means like you know, all day on the bus and all night on the computer figuring out like how to do it and what we need to buy and everything else. So if there is an advice I would do of anything thinking about it is like plan it like be a lot before and like you can even most of it like make your budget and realize what's the real cost of each piece. So you can make a budget that actually like, you know what you're getting into Um, you know, yeah. I knew it was going to be a lot of money. That's that's something that you should know. Um, but yeah, but I think even more, like I think there's a lot of pieces that we don't really realize. And there's a lot of pieces that you could buy before. You know, get get everything you need. 
So then once the bus arrives, you can actually build and put the pieces together. You know, if you already have the pieces, much better. Then you don't need to wait for the shipping. <laughs> yeah, that would be my advice. <laughs> Get ready. Based on going and doing your master's now in Spain and your snowboarding experience and competitions and having your schoolie, what do you see as the future? Yeah, I see my schoolie as my base, like what I can go back to uh, in Canada. So like I do travel a lot and I'm not planning to stop. Like I, I like to move around. I study tourism, uh, but I, I like knowing that I have I have this as my base back home, um, that I can go a bit everywhere in Canada with it. Um, clearly closer to the mountains is where I like to be. <laughs> so I think just more of ski bum, <laughs> you know, ski bum life with my bus. So being closer to the mountain, uh, keep doing little changes to it to make it perfect and and be like, this is my home, you know, this, this is how I see it as my full-time home and then adventures on the side or work or, yeah. So I think that's, yeah, for at least a few years, this is clearly how, how I see it. So adventures outside, but coming back to it all the time. And now I've had a range of folks from 75 all the way down to 20 what age bracket would you be in? Uh, on the lower one? <laughs> I'm, I'm 26 right now. So turn 27 next month. So the, I'm, you know, closer to the lower range. Cool. That's great. Yeah. So what would you... Uh, I've had um, uh, various people talk about some of the other people that they follow. Uh, is there like maybe one or two that you would recommend for people to follow online? And it doesn't even have to be with schoolies. It could be like, you know, the top snowboarder or whoever. Who would you recommend people to follow on social media? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good one. I mean, in in the bus part, like we've like I've mentioned to you before, the the mix bus that's been already on your podcast. If if they don't know it yet, they should totally listen to the other podcast and also go follow him. They have incredible project. Um and if you go in the snowboarding world, I mean there is a lot, but the first thing that comes to mind and as we were talking about um sustainability, there's the, the association uh Protector Winters, which is for protection of the environment, but it just brings, you know, all of the outdoors community together to try to make change and help in the future. So I think that's really something you should pick out if you don't know about. And um also Maybe we talked about Shitsuka earlier, but you should all go check out Eski, which is a media in Quebec for development of backcountry skiing out east. So if you're interested in skiing and you're based on the east side of Canada, you should uh, really take a look at that. So Est Ski. Cool. And where could people find you if they had... You know, there's some 15-year-old girl out there who loves to snowboard and looks up to you. Where yeah. can she or he go to uh, to contact you or find out 
where you are online. Yeah, so I do have a Facebook page and an Instagram, and they're called Le Shred Bus. So Le, L-E dot Shred Bus. Um, shred, should I spell it? S-H-R-E-D-B-U-S. So Le Shred Bus. So they can find me on their Facebook and Instagram. Very cool. Well, thank you very much for uh, being a guest on the, the podcast. Loved hearing your story and your adventures, and hopefully you'll get to the uh, slope snowboarding this year. Thank you. We hope so. <laughs> so you're another one of the piece of the puzzles of Canadians who have built schoolies and have adventures and doing some interesting things in the country. So thanks for uh, adding to the national story. Thank you.